there are two two ideas of how we are to see ourselves in with Christ. And those two concepts are extremely humbling <clears throat> and they are so prevalent in the New Testament. And no one is going to want to self-identify as these two things. One is a sheep. The other is a slave. And in our prayer time this morning, one of our um, one of our um, um, one of our men prayed, "God, it's uh, thank you for showing us that we're your slave, and we're your sheep." And Old and New Testament, this is all we like sheep have gone astray. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. And there is a Psalm twenty three, a most wonderful, comforting psalm, implies that. I'm a sheep. <laughs> in a sheep culture, which David writes in, which the New Testament's in, how many illustrations talk about shepherd and sheep? No one would self-identify as a sheep. <laughs> Same with slave. In a slave culture, which is what the Bible was written in, Old and New Testament, no one would, as we saw last week, no one in their right mind would choose to be a slave. And yet that is what we are told to do why well philippians 2 tells us why jesus left the glory of heaven took upon him the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men when you translate that slave instead of servant which is supposed to be slave it's like whoa he left the glories of heaven the very top rung of all of the universe and chose the bottom rung nothing below him and when you see Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and we're not going to look at that tonight, but when you see that in John 13, the disciples, oh, no, you're not going to wash my feet, Peter says, because that's the lowest slave's job, and you're the master. And Jesus had taught them up to this point. This is the night before, this is the night he's arrested. And Jesus says, if I am your master and teacher, and so you call me that, if I am your master, then you are to be like me. I did this as an example. So while a Greek culture, and we looked at this, a Greek culture and a Jewish culture in Roman in John 8 bristled at the idea and hated the idea of, we're not slaves, we're free, we're Abraham's offspring. Jesus says to them in, in, in John 8, and then Paul picks it up in uh, Romans 6, that you don't realize you're actually slaves to sin. If you you don't you don't realize that you're in slavery to sin. And Romans says you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. There's only two options for people on earth. And our independent American culture is going to hate that idea as much as a Greek culture hated the idea of being in bondage, as much as a Jewish culture hated being in bondage and we can't though get around it and i don't think it's a help to us as christians reading english where we see servant 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 bond servant 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 when it should be translated slave and we started looking at jesus parables and when jesus is speaking he is telling us the kingdom of heaven is like a king a nobleman a wealthy man he goes off and he has his slaves it doesn't say servant. All of Jesus' stories, as far as I know, they're all he's all using the word slave. This is Jesus talking. A 
Okay, so we're going to start in uh, Matthew 21. We skipped over Matthew 21, 22, and 24. And so we're going to see these three parables. They have cross-references in, uh, in the other Gospels. But when our Savior is talking to his followers, and in Matthew uh, 21, this is after the triumphal entry. So to put it in the context of Jesus' lifetime, the three Matthew 21, 22, and 24 that we're going to look at tonight are all probably on Monday or Tuesday or Jesus of the week that Jesus is crucified. Okay. And it's almost like the Gospels have a few stories of Jesus and a few teachings of Jesus early on in his three-year ministry. But when you get near the Passion Week, almost everything that Jesus says is recorded. Everything that he does from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, from the triumphal entry to the cleansing of the temple to he goes into the temple Monday and Tuesday and is teaching. And a lot of what we have in our Gospels is the teachings of Jesus after his triumphal entry. Now, how, how did the Jewish people look at Jesus on Palm Sunday? They were saying what? Hosanna to the king. Here is our king. And then Jesus kept telling them story after story. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And for those four days between the triumphal entry and the crucifixion, Jesus was probably talking people out of following him. <laughs> To the point where the same people that were crying out, Hosanna to the king, are four days later saying, crucify him. They did not want this kind of king telling this kind of stories. Uh, and they, they wouldn't identify as slaves any more than you're telling an American or anyone in our country or anywhere in our world right now. Hey, I am, I am a slave of my master. And we've learned so far that slaves only have one master. And uh, this has really helped me because you know what? You guys aren't my master. I'll teach God's word, but I am not doing it for you. I'm doing it for my master. Like when I have to witness, I don't care what people think. I, I, I do care. <laughs> but when I think that I am doing this for my master, that is it. I do not care. I'm not going to stand before anybody on the face of the earth and hear, well done, thou good and faithful slave. I am standing in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what he thinks of my life is the only thing that matters. So that is how we have to, that, that's why this study has been exciting for me um, to just take all of the, the slave verses from the New Testament and help uh, me develop a theology of slavery of which I would, I would now call myself a slave of Jesus. And we'll see six of the apostles, writers of the New Testament, they start their book this way. And uh, we'll see that in the, after, after Thanksgiving, Lord willing, or we'll be in heaven. Uh, so Matthew 21, you see the beginning of Matthew 21 is the triumphal entry. And then you see down in verse 33, there's a parable of the talents. The tenants, I'm sorry. Talents is a different parable. All right, this is a short parable. Uh, there are here another parable. Now, Jesus is teaching a couple days before he goes to the cross, after the triumphal entry. 
And he, he says, hear another parable. There was a master of the house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. All right, the master of the house is going to be God the Father in this parable. All right, and I think you'll we'll see why here in a, as we keep reading. When the season for the fruit drew near, so he, God plants a, a farm. And he's expecting fruit from the farm. He does everything he can to get fruit to grow there. And he leases it out. He is renting his farm to tenants, okay, to get. And so verse 34, when the season for fruit draws near, he sent his slaves to the tenants to get his fruit. And I'm going to translate servants, slaves, because that's the, that's the Greek word. Um, verse 35, and the tenants took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. All right. And again, he sent other slaves more than the first. And they did the same to them. We'll stop there. If you were the second wave of slaves, what would you be thinking? <laughs> and why wouldn't you want to go? Because you're going to get killed. But you know what's in the story? The slaves do it. Why? Because they have one mission in life. When, we don't think this way, okay? But slaves think this way. And Jesus is telling us this story so that we'll start thinking like we are slaves of our master. And if God the Father wants to send his servants, his slaves, to people who don't want to hear their message, and those slaves get killed, and other people say, you know what? Those are martyrs. You know what martyrs do for the Christian today? Christian martyrs encourage us. There was a Christian martyr that I just read about in Iraq, I think. And uh, we have, you, you may know people that have been killed. Um, Christians are still being killed all around the globe for being Christians. And they would not, if they could tell you, hey, I'm going to this country and I, I may lose my life. And we as comfortable, not slave thinking Americans <laughs> think, are you out of your mind? Why are you going there to die? And they read this story and they put themselves in this as a slave obeying the master. If the master wants me to go, and talk to his enemies and get fruit from them, then who am I to question the master? All right, so again, he sends other servants, verse 36, and they did the same to them. And now we see where Jesus is going with this story, verse 37. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. So we're going to take his kingdom. We're going to take his stuff. You know how many times people have tried, and Psalm 2 tells us, that the kingdoms of the earth rise up against God and try to take over his kingdom? And you know what never happens? God never loses. <laughs> so Jesus is telling the story, and he's the son. He is the heir he is the one who is being sent after 
to the same people. And Jesus said several other times, what did you guys do to the prophets? You killed them. And how many godly people in the Old Testament died because they were godly? And if they weren't killed, Elijah is running for his life and Elisha's life isn't safe. And there are godly people that we know of in Hebrews 11 that are killed in the Old Testament. There are Stephen in the New Testament and probably all the apostles except for John. And they went to heaven before, and the apostle Paul, they went to heaven before old age or uh, their life ended before it was a health thing they were killed and yet they will willingly identified as a slave because of what their master taught them you can't serve two masters and uh you say this master is a bad master oh no he's a good master he's a perfect master um but slaves are willing to obey their master even to the death what's going to happen jesus tells us in verse 39 they took um they took him that's jesus and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him they took him out of the city of jerusalem and they killed jesus just a few days after this story jesus says in verse 40 then what when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes what do you think he's going to do to those tenants <laughs> he's going to put them to death people said and he, and then he tells about him himself. So in the story um, of the kingdom of heaven, we are, we're just the slaves doing whatever our master wants, even if he wants us to be killed or to die for him. So even to the death, John 21, verse 19, Peter's wondering about John and saying, well, what about John? And Jesus says to Peter, you know, don't worry about John. When you get old, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. And John comments, signifying what death he was going to glorify God. John the Apostle writes after Peter dies. His apostle, his, uh, his, uh, his um, gospel. And... Peter's death was going to glorify God. But we know in church history, Peter's death did glorify God. Stephen's death glorified God. Why? Because they had one master and to do whatever he wanted, even if it meant dying. It's not a problem. It's not a question. It's not an argument. Good. Master, don't send me. <laughs> send somebody else because those other guys didn't come back. Um, no, they just, they just obey. Chapter 22, verse 3, just a couple of verses later. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. I'll let you guess who the king is in this parable as the kingdom of heaven and who the son is. Now, as Jesus tells this story, Revelation 19 comes into view because that is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a fascinating story. Um, and let's see what the slaves are doing. Okay. This is a job description for us. All right. In this parable. So he gives the king, uh, is giving a wedding feast for his son and he sends his slaves to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. So who does, who is invited to the marriage supper of the lamb? Who does God want to be 
wed to his son. He wants the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And everyone who comes to repentance is going to be present at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Both Old and New Testament are going to be there um, in Revelation 19. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. Um, this uh, king who's preparing a wedding feast for his son. And what are the slaves doing to prepare for this wedding feast? Well, he sends his slaves to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. So we go out, verse four, again, he sent out other slaves saying, hey, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, treated them shamefully and killed them. And the king was angry. He sent his troops. It's not a fair fight here. He sends his troops and destroys them, those murderers, and burned their city. So there's no, you can fight against God or resist God, but you're never going to win against God. We see that clearly in Revelation twice. Massive amounts of people die when they rebel against God at Armageddon and then at the end of the millennium. Verse 8, he said to his slaves, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And the um, and those slaves um, went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And we'll, we'll stop there. So what is what are faithful? I see more slaves here getting killed um, by the enemies of the king. But what are the slaves here doing? They're doing what the king is saying. What's the king asking them to do? get ready for a wedding feast right mm -hmm. so how do we do this okay everyone who is a follower of jesus is a slave here and all the slaves are just telling the world hey come come to jesus it's my job that's what the master wants me to do how do we know the master wants to do it? we have the great commission in matthew 28 and other gospels like this is clear marching orders for all christians to tell the world to come to jesus come repent of your sin and look at how the world reacts to the king and how our world reacts to jesus today so when they were told hey come to the come to this feast come to jesus and you will have a wonderful abundance of food but, verse 5, they paid no attention and went off. Willing ignorance of this message. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A king with a perfect beast and sends us as his slaves. Hey, come to Jesus and come and be, be right with the king and enjoy this feast with us. And this is how our world responds. I... I don't need this. I'm going to go off. It says, where, where did they go? Verse five, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized, if they weren't indifferent, they were rebellious and violent against the slaves. And they treated them shamefully and they killed them. 
And the king is angry at this, as God is angry anytime someone is killed for him. But this is how our world, they are so focused on elections. As soon as one election's over, boom, the next one. And it's all about politics. Right? Are you serious? There's something way bigger than politics. It's called the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and the kingdom of heaven is near. And we as his slaves are telling people, be right with the king. It's not up for election. <laughs> okay, there is, there is one king. He's coming again. You better be right with him. And we know the end of the story. We, we tell people to come to Jesus. And this is how they treat us. If it's not violence, it's they pay no attention to us. They go off. They go to their own business. They're so focused on their families. They're so focused on their, their work. They're so focused on laying up treasure on earth. And we're saying that's not the good stuff. The good stuff is waiting in the future. The king's got this banquet ready. Come. And this is in this story. If we see ourselves in the story and we're here as slaves, our, our only job is what? To invite people. Invite people to come to Jesus. We leave how they treat us up to the king. The king will deal with them. We have one mission in life to, and this is Jesus speaking right before he goes to the cross. And he's probably encouraging his disciples this way. And as he tells two stories back to back here in, in uh, 21 and 22 about how the world reacts to um, this, this message, they don't want god to be their king they don't want him as master and they don't want him as king they don't want a kingdom of heaven all they want is a farm on earth and they want their businesses that's all they want and as slaves here all we are are going out and inviting people to come come to jesus final story that jesus tells in matthew 24 Matthew 24, and um, verses 45 uh, to the end. Matthew four, 24, as Jesus still speaking, um, same time frame, a couple days before he dies. And he starts this uh, short story with verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked slave says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, like uses all of the resources on himself and just hoards all of this um all the master's wealth it doesn't belong to the slave it belongs to the master verse 50 the master of that slave will come on that day when he does not expect him in an hour that he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and throw him with the put him with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth every time you see weeping and gnashing of teeth clearly jesus is talking about hell and condemnation but what is the first two verses here give us a little more of our our job description as a slave well we need to be a faithful and wise slave and when we are our master will set us over his household 
and if we are over any other Christians who are part of God's house, what is our responsibility? To give them their food at the proper time. So we talked a little bit this morning, is this just for pastors, elders? Well, if you're a parent and you've got children who are part of God's household in your home, your job is to feed them God's word too. It's not just for Sundays or Wednesdays, but it is for me. And uh, I am responsible to give you God's word. And God's word is your food. Like that is what I want you to feed you. You you come in here every Sunday and Wednesday, and I hope you're hungry and you get, I give you more of God's word. You dispense, <laughs> dispense the food. And this is what a wise, faithful slave does. Um, who God has set over uh, part of his household here. And my part of my job is to give, give you food at the proper time. If you ask Pastor Ty what his job, a lot of his job is to give you God's word at, at the proper time. A food dispenser, feeding you God's word, um, shepherding you toward God, toward his word. And what what's the re result here? Verse 46, <laughs> blessed is that slave whom his master will find so doing when he comes. You know, I, it doesn't really matter how many people I feed. Um, what really matters to me, and it's got to, and this study is helping me, is realizing my job is just to be faithful in feeding God's people. So as much of God's word as I think you can handle every time, I'm going to give it to you. And uh, your job is to come and eat it. And then you take what you're learning and you take it home and you feed other people in God's household. And uh, we aren't responsible for how people react to us. We can see the other two parables that it didn't go well for God's slaves. But that's not the slave's responsibility. That's the king. The king handles them. Our responsibility is just to do what our master says. And here it says we are to just be faithful and wise and just keep giving people God's food at the proper time. And we'll be blessed when... We're just trying to serve Jesus, um, and he'll find us faithfully doing that uh, when he comes. We don't know when he's coming. It says here we, but uh, he's going to surprise a lot of unfaithful people, but um, we won't be disappointed if we uh, live our lives uh, this way. I'm going to stop there.